Thanks, guys. That's good. I want to thank Brother McMurtry. Thanks for letting us come. And thank you for letting me uh, preach here in Sunday school. And it's a joy to be here. We're, we're glad to be here. And uh, uh, I've, I've traveled with the group for, uh, for a couple of years, actually, since I was a freshman. I traveled around with the group. Um, last year and the year before when I traveled, I got to travel with Brother McMurtry's dad. And uh, that was a great time. Got to know him and um, spent a week with him. We had a great time with him. And it's great to know that Brother uh, Tommy McVirtue is a lot like his dad. And, and uh, you know, just um, reminds me a lot of his dad. Kind of like I know people say that about myself and my brother. You know, you remind me of your dad a lot. And uh, But he does. And um, I know he's doing a great job. It's exciting to hear about this church here starting uh, a few years back. Has it been now? Two years now. And it's great to hear about that when that started and just the great work that God's doing. I'm glad to be here and seeing it. And so if you would this morning, open your Bibles up to Joshua chapter 24. And I'm going to, um, I know this is Sunday school and I'm supposed to be teaching, but I'm going to tell you straight up, I'm probably going to end up preaching more than I teach. But um, Joshua 24, I, I want to use a familiar passage here and, uh, and get into it there. And uh, we're going to read a familiar verse, verse 15, Joshua 24, verse 15. The Bible says there, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray real quick. Dear Lord, thank you for this uh, morning. Lord, thank you for being in this church. Lord, I pray you bless this uh, lesson. Lord, bless the, the Word of God as it goes forth. I pray you just uh, speak to our hearts, Lord. And uh, also be at the service to follow, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I just want to talk today and, and preach today out of this familiar passage. And we find here that this man, Joshua, and I have to be honest with you, I think Joshua's probably my favorite Bible character in the Bible. I, I really enjoy reading and studying about Joshua. And just recently, I decided to kind of go through the Word of God and just I'll study a little bit about the lives of different men of God. And one of them, obviously, was Joshua. And I find here that, you know, the Bible says, Joshua is speaking to the children of Israel, and he's telling them, that they have to choose who they will serve. He said, choose you this day whom ye will serve. And we know Joshua had led the children of Israel into the promised land. He had followed Moses. And we know that you know now they divided the land. They divided that among the 12 tribes. And they were settling down into the, the land of Israel. And we find here that this is kind of Joshua's last instruction. This is kind of his last time to preach to the children of Israel before um, he passes on. And what a great man he was. And we find his last instruction here, the last words that he says, we find he says, Choose you this day whom ye will serve. And just by kind of way of introduction here, I find an interesting statement. He says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. He's telling the the children of Israel, first of all, Choose you this day. He's telling them it's an individual choice. He's telling them, you know, it's up to you, individual individually who you will serve. And, and can I tell you this today? You know, it's up to us, not just as a nation or as a church, but it's us, up to us individually as Christians to choose who we will serve. You know, every individual in here makes a, a choice on their own. You know, I've, um, preacher, our, our pastor, Preacher Gomez, has been preaching on the family in the home the last couple Sundays. 
And you know, he's been talking um, and, and preaching to, to families and talking about how, you know, some families have children that, you know, um, they don't turn out for God. They, don't, they, they choose not to serve God. And some families have children that, that you know, it seems all of their children are serving God. And, you know, preacher was saying how sometimes the parents blame themselves and they say, man, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong in training my kids? But you know what preacher has been saying? He said, you know, it comes down to an individual choice. What will you choose? And that's what Josh was saying here. Choose you this day. You know, it, if we don't turn out as, as, a, as a child, if I don't turn out for God, it's not my parents' fault. It's my fault. It's a choice that I made that I decided to turn my back on everything that my parents taught me and that I would not serve God. It's up to us to serve God. But more than that, I notice he says, choose you this day whom ye will serve. And I think Joshua is saying here that if you choose to serve God as an individual, that we'll have... You'll see as a nation that we'll also, you'll also be serving God. And you know, this is true as a church. If you, if you choose as a church, if you choose to follow God as individually, then I think your church, you'll see some revival if, if every person individually chooses to serve God and follow God. And so I want to preach on that today. And the title of my uh, message that I, that I have here is, Lord, make me a Joshua. It's something that's been a burden since I was a teenager. You know, every Christian, I think, should have that prayer and have that desire. Lord, make me a Joshua, just like this man Joshua was. So, let's look at the life of Joshua here. We're just going to look at a few things here that, that he has, some things that we can emulate. And the Bible says, first of all, what, what is it about Joshua? Why was Joshua serving God as, as an old man here? And the Bible, first of all, tells us clearly that Joshua was a servant. He served. If we look in Exodus chapter 17, and uh, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible says in Exodus chapter 17, verse 9, the Bible says, And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose out men, and go out and fight with Amalek, Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. We find here Joshua is simply obeying the man of God. Moses was the man of God. We find here that Joshua follows this man of God. I mean, he's always with Moses. It's, it's awesome. I think, I don't know if Moses was bugged by Joshua. I don't know how old Joshua was at the time. All right. I, I can kind of see maybe a teenager bugging his preacher all the time. You know, he wants to know why he does this and he wants to know, you know, wants to know the word of God. And I see that that's Joshua. He's always there with the man of God. But more than anything, he's a servant. He serves Joshua, or Moses. Joshua serves Moses. In Exodus chapter 24, uh, uh, the Bible has this to say about Joshua. I find it's a very, uh, verse, uh, Exodus 24, verse 13, I find it's a very interesting verse. The Bible says, And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. And his minister Joshua. And I think that's an interesting statement. You know, sometimes um, people call a preacher a minister. You know, you hear that. Minister, you know, and you'll hear that title. But if you think about it, that's a title. What does that title mean? It means servant. And really, that's what Joshua was. He was a minister to the man of God. And you know what? If there's anything that we need to get as Christians, we need to learn how to be a servant. We need to learn how to serve. We need to learn how to just, you know, we see a need and fill that need. 
That's something that um, in Bible college we, I learned and I know these guys learned. You know, there's a ministry, there's a bus route that you're on. And you know what? You can just sit on the bus route if you want on Sunday morning and sleep um, and do whatever. Or you can get involved. And you know what? It's always better to get involved. Right. It's amazing when you get involved in a ministry, you see the people that are affected by, by, by you being involved, that, the people that love you, the people that you, just, you have a relationship with them. And Joshua was that sort of man. He learned how to be a servant. And the Lord says about being a servant in Matthew 20, He says, Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. You know what? It's amazing that we try to get to the top ourselves. We try to exalt ourselves. When really the Bible says in order to be great, in order to, um, to be that, we need to be a servant. You know, there's a, you, I'm sure many of you know the man D.L. Moody. And uh, there's a story about D.L. Moody I find very interesting. You know, we all know he's a great man, a great preacher, had the power of God on his life, had a great ministry. The Bible, or um, people say that he took uh, uh, the continent of North America on one hand in, in England and shook it for God. He affected both continents for the Lord. But it's said about D.L. Moody that once there was a large group of preachers, they had come from Europe for a Bible conference. And, uh, and I guess D.L. Moody, he took them where they were going to stay, he showed them uh, where they are going to stay for the night. And I guess in Europe, it's a custom. They take off their shoes before they go into their house or go into where they're going to stay. And so they did that. They took off their shoes. And, you know, when they went inside, D.L. Moody noticed that their shoes were dirty and they're dusty. And you know what? D.L. Moody had, he, he thought, man, these guys, they need their shoes shined. And, and he mentioned that there's some um, seminary students there, basically Bible college students, you know. And uh, he mentioned it to them. Hey, guys, you know, check that out. Look at their shoes. They're pretty dirty. And they all had, you know, excuses. You know, I got this to do. I got that to do. And you know what? I guess the story goes that D.L. Moody went back to, to that dorm where they were staying. And he grabbed their shoes and he took it back to his room. And uh, people say that he was there. He stayed up late into the night shining their shoes. And no one would have known what he did until a friend of his, a preacher friend of his, came in uh, to visit him. And I guess he saw him there shining their shoes. And it so moved that preacher that he told some of the other preachers there at the conference that were preaching, he told them what D.L. Moody had done. And it turned out the rest of the week, those preachers took turns shining those guys' shoes all week. You know, because D.L. Moody was an example. You know what? D.L. Moody was great. But why was he great? He wasn't great because, you know, um, because he thought he was something and he had great pulpit presence and he was a great orator. He was something because he was a servant of God. And you know what? We need to learn that we need to be servants. Just like Joshua, number one. First of all, he was a servant. And then I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 14. Turn to Joshua chapter 14. The next thing, looking into the life of this man Joshua, the next thing I notice about him, and not only just Joshua, but we also know this man Caleb, his friend Caleb. Joshua and Caleb both. Look at verse uh, uh, chapter 14, look at verse 8. The Bible says, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Not only was Joshua a servant, but I find here we see that Joshua was sold out for God. Joshua, he was sold out for God. You know, he was 100% lock, stock, and barrel. He had both oars in the water. He was all out for God. He wasn't going to hold back. There was nothing that Joshua was holding back for God. We know the story here about the 12 spies. You know, we have the song we sing on the bus, and it's always fun. You know, 12 men went to spy in Canaan. And we teach that to their kids, and that's true, though. There are two men, Joshua and Caleb, 
that stood for God. Only those two men out of that whole group were, were willing to go in and conquer the land. And you know why that was? Because those two men were sold out for God. And you know what? I'll tell you what. There are, I think there are too many people that, were, that are holding back. They're, they have something that they will not give up for God. You know, and I hear the excuse all the time, well, God hasn't called me. I remember as a teenager, I was called to preach when I was 13 years old. And I remember a lot of my friends, you know, when I would ask them, they'd say, well, I'm just not called to preach. You know what? And I understand not everyone's called to preach, but I'm afraid there are some people that are just are not surrendering to the call of God. And why is that? Because they're not sold out for God. They have some. They have something that they're holding back. They're they don't have it all. They haven't given it all to God. You know? How about that song? I surrender all. What about surrendering all of our lives to the Lord? You know what? I'm glad that in our history in the United States of America, I'm glad that there are some men that we're, we're willing to give it all for our country. You know, we know the story about the uh, 56 men that signed the Declaration of Independence. And you know what? It's said of those 56 men, you know, it said that, that five of them were captured by the British and they were tortured and they died. Five of those men. Twelve of them, their homes were ransacked and burned. Two of them lost their sons in the Revolutionary War. Nine fought and died from wounds and hardships of war. And one of them had two sons captured by the British. And you know what? They knew that what they, when they signed their names to that, they knew that they were putting their, their lives, their necks on the line. They even wrote in the Declaration of Independence, they said, And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pre- pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Wow, what a statement that is. For these men to understand that, for this nation, for this nation to be great, not only did they have to depend on the Lord, but that they knew that they were putting their necks on the line. They were, they were given it all to see freedom for the United States of America. And I'm so glad that today we live in a country that we can say we have freedom. And you know what? If, if it weren't for those 56 men, we wouldn't have that. They were willing to give it all for, for their country. But you know what? We have a, a higher calling than that. We have the Lord. We serve the Lord, the King of Kings. We don't just serve our, our country, although we have a great nation. We serve the King of Kings. And we need to be willing to sell out and give it all for the Lord. We need to be willing to give up and give all for the Lord. You know, there's a man, and, and some of you may have heard this, but I think this is quite a, a great story. There was a man, William Borden, and he, was a, and he was a missionary. But, you know, his story goes, he was an heir to the Borden uh, fortune. You know, the Bordens, they were the, the milk family, and they still have Borden milk to this day. And he was heir to that. He had millions of dollars coming to him. He had all of that. He was next in line for that. But you know what? There was one problem. The Lord, and it's not a problem, it's a good thing. The Lord called him to be a missionary. And he surrendered. He surrendered to be a missionary to the Muslims in northern China. So what he did, he traveled to Cairo. He gave up his fortune. He traveled to Cairo. And he studied Arabic there. Well, while he was there, he contracted cerebral meningitis and he died. He was 25 years old. Now I'm 23 years old, so that is that is something to, that is that is something right there. That he was willing to give his life there. And you know what? Most people would say that he was a lunatic. Matter of fact, a lot of people did. They said, "Man, William Borden, what a what a crazy guy, man! He gave up his fortune. He could have been a millionaire. He could have been a successful businessman, but he gave it up and he wasted his life to study Arabic and he died." Well, I'll tell you what, after his death, some people found Borden's Bible and they gave that to his parents. And they, they looked there in the front of his Bible and they read, Borden had written these words. Right after he had given up his fortune and surrendered to God's call of his, on his life, he had wrote in the words, no reserve. No reserve, nothing left. He had, he, had, he had given it all to God, no reserve. They looked further down. 
right after his dad had told him, he said, you're never going to work for me and my company again. And right, right there, the date was written down, and he wrote these words, no retreat. No retreat. He wasn't going to go back. There was no retreat. And shortly after that, before he died in Egypt, these words were added, no regrets. He wrote the words, no reserve, no retreat, and no regrets. This man lived a full life. You say, well, he only lived to 25. He didn't even finish learning the language. He never even got to witness to these people. Yeah, but you know what? He had no, he was sold out for God. He had no regrets for the Lord. You know, there's another man that, uh, another missionary much uh, more recent, Jim Elliott. And, man, this guy, he surrendered his life to go to Ecuador. He's going to reach the Indians in Ecuador. And they actually, while he was there, he was savagely murdered and, his, um, and, the, and the people that were there with him. But he wrote these words. This is what he said. He said, He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You know, Jim Elliott knew something about being sold out for God. You know, we need more Christians like that. In this church, in any church there is, we need more Christians that will sell out for God. We need more Christians that will say, you know, Lord, I know I don't have, maybe I don't have much to offer, but I'm going to give you all of what I have. So we see that Joshua not only, number one, first of all, that he... Not only uh, was he a servant, not only was he sold out for God, but lastly, turn to Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27. And we see there in verse 18, Numbers 27 verse 18, this is what the Lord says about Joshua. The Lord's talking to Moses about the man Joshua. And He says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. He's telling Moses, you know, Moses, it's your time. Your time has come. You served me well. It's time to anoint a new man to to lead my people. And he says, Take Joshua. And, And he says of Joshua, A man in whom is the Spirit. You know what? Joshua, I like what it says there. A man in whom is the Spirit. First of all, I know about Joshua. He had a winning attitude. You know what? If there was any man you wanted to go to and get it done, it was Joshua. This man could get it done. I like what he says in Numbers chapter 13. This is when the uh, people, when the, the ten spies were bringing the evil report. And I like what Joshua and Caleb says. They, uh, they said, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. What do they say? In chapter 14, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, This land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. And if the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that floweth with milk and honey. You know what about Joshua and Caleb? I like, they didn't have their eyes on the giants. They had their eyes on the Lord. And you know what? They weren't whining. You know, some people are, are whining about, you know, what they can't do. They think, well, man, I just can't do this and I can't do that. You know what? Joshua and Caleb said, maybe we can't do this, but we know the Lord through us can do this. They had a winning attitude. And there's a, uh, there's a man like that, you know, they had a winning attitude. You know, um, we know some great stories about some men that have been successful. Well, I'll tell you what about this guy. First of all, this guy, his elementary teacher told him that he was too, too stupid to learn anything. 
Alright, I don't know if you, any of you have been there before, don't raise your hand, but maybe a few of you guys have been there, but I don't know, but his elementary teacher told him, hey, you're too stupid to learn anything. His mother pulled him out of school after only three months of formal education. He lost his hearing as a teen, was almost completely deaf. And his first patented invention was a complete flop. And then countless other inventions he had were complete flops. And his most famous invention failed at least 700 times. Who am I? That was Thomas Edison. And there's a famous quote by Thomas Edison. Some people asked him. He was trying to invent the light bulb and he had failed. Some people asked him, you know, are you going to keep at this thing? Man, you you haven't figured out how to invent the light bulb yet. And this is what Thomas Edison said. He said, I have not failed 700 times. I have not failed once. I have succeeded in proving that those 700 ways will not work. You know what? Edison had the, had the opinion, you know what? Hey, you look at me as a failure, but I look at me as, there's, that's how I'm not going to do it. And you know what? He went on, we know he went on, and he was successful, and he learned how to design the light bulb. And now we have that today, and we're thankful for Edison for that. But you know what? It takes a winning attitude. We need to no longer look at what we can't do and realize that the Lord through us can do mighty things. So we need to have a winning spirit And lastly, the thing I noticed about Joshua, and this is the most important thing, turn to Exodus chapter 33. And this, as a teenager, this challenged me because I believe this this time in Joshua's life, he's probably a young man, maybe even a teenager. Look at Joshua or Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. This is right after the uh, the Ten Commandments. This is right after the Golden Calf. The Israelites had sinned against God. They had, um, in the, they were in the camp partying and, and sinning against God. But we know that Moses and Joshua came back from the mountain and, and uh, we know what happened there. And this is right after. And Moses pitched the tabernacle outside the congregation. He says, if you want to, go to the tabernacle. It's out there outside the congregation. Moses was in the, in the tabernacle there. Let's read in verse, uh, let me see here, verse 11. Verse 11, the Bible says there, 33.11, The Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he, Moses, turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And man, this challenged me. As a teenager, I read this and I realized, you know what? Joshua was a young man here, but he had the power of God on his life. And that's the last thing I noticed. He had the power of God on his life. You know what? We need to realize that more important than anything, you know, it, it's great to, to be able to um, get up and sing. Um, it's great to be able to do those things. It's great to have talent to use for the Lord. But more important, if we don't have the power of God on our lives, not only preaching, not only singing, but also as a church to do, to do things for the Lord. If we're not behind our pastor with the power of God, we can't expect ever to get anything done. You know what? I noticed, how did, jo- how did Joshua get the power of, of God on his life? I noticed Joshua had a place where he met with God. It seems like here in the tabernacle, Joshua was accustomed to going into the tabernacle and meeting with God. The Bible says that Joshua not only had a place where he met with God, it's important, you know, we should have a place, uh, that place where we can get along with God, a time every day when we can get along with God and meet with God. Not only did he have a place that he met with God, but he had a purpose. He had a reason for being there. He said, I'm not going to leave this tabernacle until I get the power of God on my life. We know that he did have the power of God on his life. Matter of fact, later on, we find that Moses asked the Lord to appoint a man. Moses said, uh, spake unto the Lord, saying, let the Lord... 
Um, the God of all spirits of, the, of, of all flesh set a man over the congregation. And what did the Lord say? That verse we read at the beginning. He said, Take thee Joshua, a man in whom is the Spirit. The Lord even attested of Joshua, this man not only has a winning attitude, but he's got the Spirit of God and the power of God on his life. There's a man, there's a, a, a man I, I enjoyed reading about. The man was J. Frank Norris. I enjoyed reading a biography on him. And there's a story that a really... Uh, um, is a great a great story about how he got the power of God on his life. You know, um, it said that he was ready to give it, give up. He's ready to give up his ministry. He's ready to quit. He's ready to resign. And um, it, uh, I guess it was the summer of 1912. And a friend of his called him and asked him to come and preach a revival for him. And J. Frank Norris thought, you know what? I'll, I'll preach one night. Now he had told the pastor, you know, he's going to preach there all week. But he, he thought, you know, what? I'm going to preach there one night. Then after I get done preaching, I'm going to give up. I'm going to quit. I'm packing my bags. I'm loading my family up. We're going to go somewhere where nobody knows us. We're going to go somewhere we can start all over again, all anew. And you know what? I guess that night, the, the, the pastor, as they're sitting on the platform before the service, probably during the song service, he leaned over to J. Frank Norris and said, See that man sitting back there? He looked back. That was the roughest man in the community. I guess the church had been praying for that man for weeks to be saved. And he, he said, You know, man, that guy... Pray for him, and if you're preaching, man, pray for him, he needs to be saved. Well, you know, J. Frank Norris thought, well, it's the last time I'm ever going to preach. I'm going to resign after tonight, so I'm going to give it all I got. So he did. He got up there and preached. I guess he preached on a prodigal son that night. And man, I'll tell you what, after getting down through the sermon, man, people were weeping, and this man came forward and got saved. During the service, before the service was out, well, before before too long, man, the service had to stop, the power of God fell, his wife came forward, and she got saved. And I guess the story goes, before too long, the whole church had revival, there were people saved. And I guess he was going to get on a train that night, and, and go back and pack his family up. He says he heard that train whistle blow, he wasn't on that train. And you know, the next train came, they were still having revival, he wasn't on that train either. You know, the power of God fell, and by the time the service was over, man, just, what, what a great time they had in that service and his wife called and, and J. Frank Norris talked to his wife. He could hardly speak for, for what had happened. But his wife called and said, you know, I've been praying for you all week. How's it going? He said, you won't believe it, but we had revival at, at this church and I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving up. I'm not going to resign. I'm going to go on for God. You've got a new husband tonight. We're going to go back. He says, we're going to go back and, and lick the world and we're going to build the biggest church in the world. And you know what? By the power of God, J. Frank Norris did. And that was because he had the power of God on his life. You know what? It's gonna, if we ever want to do great things for the Lord, if we ever want to see anything accomplished for the Lord, we're going to have to have the power of God on our lives. But you know what? We have to be a servant. We have to understand You know, we need to jump in. We need to serve God with our lives. We need to be sold out for the Lord. You know, no reservations. We need to make sure there's nothing we're holding back. But most importantly... We need to have the power of God on our lives also. It's so important to have the power of God. Let's bow our heads and pray real quick. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for this man, Joshua. And Lord, I pray that we would understand and, and emulate this man. Lord, I pray that we would understand the importance of being a servant. And Lord, surrendering to you. And also, Lord, having the power of God on our lives. Lord, just uh, I pray that you would just bless the, the rest of the service, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.